0: Turn with me to your Bibles, and we're looking this morning at John chapter 17, verses 12 to 13. You'll find it on page 903 in the church Bible, so if you don't have one, I'm going to read it out for us. And um, the theme this morning is on joy, and let me just be confessional with you. There are a couple of themes, a couple of topics I least like to preach on. One is love, and the other is joy, which may sound counterintuitive. I don't know, but Every time I preach on love, seriously, every time I preach on love, afterwards someone is thoroughly unloving to me. I don't know why. You know, it's like, it's, I think what's going on psychologically is, you know, you're telling people to love and they, they feel kind of bad because we all do. We don't love as much as we should. And so it kind of produces that reaction. And similarly with joy, you know, it may sound counterintuitive, but I, I don't usually enjoy preaching on joy. And the reason for that, I think, as I've reflected on it over the years, the reason for that, I think, is because when you're calling people to joy, we, we're all sort of thinking, well, yeah, that'd be great, but I don't feel that. And so often, actually, the result of preaching on joy is people feel kind of sad. So let's pray that doesn't happen this morning. <laughs> and instead that God would, you know, lift us to really experience the joy he wants for us. So John chapter 17, we're looking at verses 12 and 13. We're in the middle of this prayer of Jesus, and Jesus is praying. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I'm coming to you. And these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. This is God's word. Amen. You may go ahead and grab your seats. How do we find joy? How do we find real happiness? It's certainly something that we all want from Bombay to Boston, from Chicago to China, from Los Angeles to London. We all want joy. In fact, happiness is baked into the very founding documents of uh, this country. You know, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. We, we are people who want to feel happy, discover real joy, to be lifted up, and find that place in, a, in the sun, if you like, and really know what it means to be centered and have happiness and joy. And, and we sing about it. Uh, Despicable Me Too had uh, the happy song by Pharrell Williams. And it actually became a 24-hour video web page where it was played on a continuous loop to try and encourage people to upload songs, about them dancing to the song, the happy song. You know, because I'm happy, clap along if you feel like your life is a room without a roof. Because I'm happy, clap along if you feel like happiness is the truth. You know, and it's a, it's a good song. I, you know, I, I kind of liked it and. And um, it reminded me of one song when I was living in Canada, which was, you may remember this one, years ago now, where they had, uh, um, it was, don't worry, be happy. And I, I really liked that. I remember when I was doing carpentry, really badly, by the way, I was a terrible carpenter, But um, and they, I did carpentry for a couple of months, and then they put me on the dishes, you know, it was a hint. Um, LAUGHTER but anyway, and I remember with the guys, you know, we'd be in the truck and they'd be saying, you know, don't worry, don't be happy. We'd come along, we be whistling along to it. It was great. But what I've noticed, though, is that despite these moments of happiness, it doesn't seem to last. And I, and I don't think that the kind of the Pharrell Williams solution is the right one. People try all sorts of other things, of course. They try, you know, um, money, materialism, you know, but does that really work? I mean, we live in the richest country on the face of the planet. You know, that's the truth. And yet, are we really happy? And, you know, what is more? Actually, in the last 20 or 30 years, there's, there's no doubt in the statistics that, that more people have been lifted out of poverty around the globe with the uh, economic expansion in India and China and elsewhere. There's a huge up increase in um, materialistic wealth around the world in the last 20, 30 years. And yet, you know, mental health, Um, Anxiety, uh, depression. You talk to mental health professionals and you look at the the statistics out there, those things, anxiety and depression are constantly on the rise. So, whatever it is, the solution to be happy and to find real joy, we don't seem to have found it. What is the solution? Well, here this morning, I want to share for you three pathways to discover secure joy. And I say they're pathways, not destinations, because the destination is heaven. So I'm not offering you secure joy in all its fullness now. That's in heaven. But I am offering you pathways, three pathways to discover secure joy. And they're pathways because a pathway is something you've got to follow. And you've got to make a choice each day to walk along that pathway. So, three pathways to discover secure joy. And the first is this ask for his protection, ask for God's protection. You find this in verse 12. Jesus there is talking again, using the, the picture language that he established early in John's Gospel of the shepherd and his flock, and how the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep, and how he protects his sheep, and how he's saying, I've guarded them, I've kept them, they're, they're, they're sheep that I'm looking after. And yet, in the midst of that, he also says, But there's one, and of course, he's referring to Jesus, uh, Judas, uh, the, the son of destruction, Judas that he hasn't kept, that the Scripture might be fulfilled. Now, it's helpful in this regard to know some of the echo in the original language. So when Jesus says that uh, I have not lost one of those that you've given me, and that, apart from the son of destruction, more literally it would be apart from the son of lostness. So what Jesus is emphasizing here, it's so, not so much the destination or the, the, the destiny of Judas, but the characteristic the son of lostness. In other words, someone who did not ask for Jesus' protection. And you're not going to experience real joy if, you, if, you, if, you, if you're not under his protective care. There's just too much difficulty going on in the world. If you're not really under his protective care. You're not going to experience real secure joy. How do you get under his protective care? Well, first of all, it's to ask him for the first time to begin with. And that may be true for some of you here this morning at church. Have you ever said to Jesus, Lord Jesus, would you please shepherd me? I want to be a part of your flock. Would you take care of me? If you haven't ever done that, do that this morning. Ask him. But then when you're a Christian, you're following Jesus, it means also trusting Jesus when things don't seem to be going according to your plan, that his plan is better. It's a doctrine that the Puritans, often theologians, have called providence. That God is providentially arranging the details of your life if we're in his, under his care, in his flock. According to what is truly best for us and what most glorifies him, even when it doesn't seem like it. So we've got to come under his protective care and say, Lord, yeah, I, I don't like that. That doesn't make me happy. I don't enjoy that, but I'm trusting you. That you know best. And you're under his protective care. You've got to ask for his protection. But then it also means actually submitting to his truth and his way. He is the Lord Jesus. And putting him first. So I sometimes sometimes explain it like this. Joy is spelled J-O-Y of course. And joy comes from putting Jesus first, J, then others, O, and then finally yourself, Y, joy. But so often, we put it the other way around. We put yourself first, then others, and then, you know, maybe Jesus at the end, which is Y-O-J. J-O-Y spells joy, but yourself, others, and Jesus is just Y-O-J, or yodge. And a lot of us have yodge rather than joy. So first of all, ask for his protection. Second, listen to his word. And this comes in the first part of verse 13 where Jesus says, uh, he talks about these things that I've been speaking to you. And when he says these things, he's referring to specifically what he's been saying, of course. But not just what he said like in the previous verse or something. But this whole farewell discourse And indeed, all his teaching, so in John 15, verse 11, he uses exactly the same phrase. He says, these things I've spoken to you, that your joy may be full. These things, his word, his teaching, is designed for us to have joy. And so one key way for us to have the joy of Christ in us is to listen to his word. What does that mean? It means actually to obey what he has said. Very often I find, pastorally, someone comes up to me and says, you know, pastor, I'm not really experiencing what you're talking about, this joy, this peace, this love. Very often it's because there's some area of their life where they're resisting what God has already told them. Of course you're not going to experience joy then. And maybe you won't hear him say something new to you until you do what he's already told you to do. We know it from our, from our. the old hymn puts it like this, trust and obey for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus. So you've got to listen to his word, which means obeying what he has said. But it also means having quiet times or devotional times. And, uh, you know, we, we look after our bodies each day. We feed ourselves. We make sure that we, you know, have... Uh, kind of had a shower and all the rest of the the sort of thing each day. we, we, We look after our bodies each day. We feed our bodies. We have at least, you know, maybe three meals a day, something like that at least. But we don't often always feed our souls each day. But for us to really listen to his word and therefore to have the joy that he offers, we need to have a quiet time, a devotional time each day. Now when we say that, people often begin to feel a little bit guilty because we all find it hard at times to have a a devotional time, a quiet time with God. So let me help you with that. Here here are a few ways to make sure you have a quiet time, a devotional time with God each day. First of all, make sure you actually set a time. Put it on your calendar. Make an appointment with God. Make a date with God each day as a recurring entry, 6 in the morning, 7 o'clock at night, whenever is the right time for you. Make that an appointment on your calendar, and you keep it, just like you keep keeping a breakfast appointment with a friend. There it is, 6 in the morning. It's your time with God. Nothing's going to get in the way of that. That's your time. So you make a time. And then similarly, you find a place, if you can. And if your apartment or your house or your dorm will allowed, you find a place. I have a particular place where I normally have my quiet times. I can see in my mind's eye the chair And behind, next to the chair is my Bible that I normally use to have my quiet times. And if you have Bible reading notes, you put them there as well. There's a place where you have your, that's, you've got an appointment, you've got a place. That's where you're going to meet with God. That's the place where you're going to do it. So you make a time, you make a place. And then you keep on reading until God speaks to you. Could just be one verse. This morning when I was going through uh, one of the Psalms and I was reading through the Psalm, just one verse, it was as if the Holy Spirit himself just underlined that verse. And it was, Josh, this is what I want you to listen to this morning. You keep on could just be one verse, could be the whole chapter. You keep on reading until the Holy Spirit underlines, that's what I'm saying to you this morning. It's for you this morning. Here it is. So you listen to his word by obeying his word, by having regular quiet times, and then moments like this when we gather as God's people to hear God's word. Preachers need to listen to God's word. Before I preach, I preach the sermon to myself. I ask, you know, so this morning, am I, have I asked for God, your protection, Lord? Am I listening to your word, Lord? And then the third point that I'll tell you in a moment, I preach it to myself I need to be under the word. But then we all do too. You come to church not, not to hear me. You come to church asking, God, what do you want to say to me? What's your word for me this morning? And so we come with a sense of expectation and excitement. What could be better than, hey, this morning I'm going to hear from the living God. So we listen to his word. We ask for his protection. And then uh, third and finally, we make his joy ours. Now this was mind-blowing for me when I was looking at this morning, the way that Jesus phrases the end of verse 13. When you first read it, you think he's just saying rejoice, Uh, but he doesn't quite put it like that. He actually says that my joy might be fulfilled in them. It's his joy in us. What a relief that is. Here's how it works. Say you're going through something right now that is difficult, that is hard. And you're saying to yourself, how can I possibly rejoice given that I'm going through that? How how could that possibly happen? Seems unfeasible, at least unlikely. And when I'm told to rejoice, I've got this circumstance, this sickness, this situation that is not something I enjoy. Therefore, how can I rejoice? Or maybe it's not that you're going through a hard time right now. Maybe you've just got huge expectations on you. You've got a busy job. You've got a lot of responsibility. You're, you're at a school that demands excellence. You've got to live up to that standard, and it just feels like a weight, a pressure. How can I rejoice when I've got all this responsibility? Well, here's how. Make his joy yours, that my joy might be fulfilled in them. In other words, what Jesus is saying here is he's talking about the work of his spirit. The fruit of the spirit is joy. This is not something we, we drum up with, you know, the perfect musical Instrumentation. This is not something we create with exactly the right rhetoric. This is a supernatural work of Christ by his Spirit in fulfillment of his death and resurrection and then the sending of his Spirit on his people. Now look how it works, how Jesus has been teaching. He's emphasized first the sovereignty of God under his protection. And then he's emphasized the word of Christ listening to his word. And now he's emphasizing the personal presence of Jesus and his disciples, that is, the Spirit of Christ. And if we're to experience joy this morning in our Christian lives, we we'll need to do each of those three things, those three pathways. Listen to his word, ask for his protection, and then make his joy ours through being filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, let me conclude with this. One man who discovered uh, joy in an unexpected way for him was the famous Oxford scholar C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis uh, was an atheist and then he became a Christian. And what pulled him in, what drew him in, was that he'd been looking for joy in all sorts of other places... And then surprisingly, he called it in his autobiography, surprised by joy. Surprisingly, he found joy in Christ. One time he said this, the serious business of heaven is joy. And if that's the case, Christian. Make it your serious business to find secure joy in Christ. Well, let's pray together. Our Lord God, we do ask for the work of your Spirit to give us that joy in you, that your joy would be ours. Our Lord God, we do pray that you would help us to listen to your word and to be a people who give attention to the Bible and put it into practice. Our Lord God, we do ask for your protection, for your shepherding care of us providentially and personally. Would you guard us and keep us? And therefore keep us from anxiety and even in the most difficult of circumstances, and even under the greatest of pressures, we pray, Lord, that we would have secure joy in you. May that be um, something that College Church uh, has in abundance, I pray. That when people think of uh, your church here, they think of a people who because they uh, have asked for your protection, because they listened to your word, have made your joy theirs and are a people of great joy. May that be increasingly true of us, I ask. And of each of us as individuals too. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.